Hello, everyone. Welcome to Digital Learning and Computer Science Bits and Bytes podcast. We're extremely excited to have you listen to our podcast and look forward to updating you with the latest and greatest from our team and from our wonderful community of educational technology and computer science practitioners and experts. Let's start with some introductions. As we introduce ourselves, we'll be sharing some additional information to help you get to know us a little. So I'll get started. I'm Sonal Patel, and you rhyme my name with Ronald, take the D off the end, and you get Sonal. Easiest way to remember it. So a little bit about me. I'm Indian and British, and I go by she, her pronouns. And I've been in the USA for the past 14 years. That's right. You probably sensed a little accent there. Uh, I'm also married, and I have two children, Maya and Arav. My passion for education actually stems from my own humble upbringing as an English language learner who grew up with many educational barriers related to my own cultural background. But with inspirational mentorship from those who believed in me, I was able to rise above those challenges and do the work that I do today with an incredible team of people. Some of those people are my co-workers who are here with me today, so I'm going to turn this over to Jessica. Thank you, Sonal. My name is Jessica Boucher. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a wife, mother to a wonderful human named Everly, and I'm also a student, lifelong learner. I've been an educator for about 15 years. I've worked in the private, public, and charter sectors of education, even teaching remotely before it was popular. I grew up in a diverse family and um, felt very aware of societal pressures and stereotypes that we didn't quite fit in. Because of this, my passion for inclusion and accessibility for students within the schooling system and how to make it possible for them with the use of ed tech and ed tech resources has become part of the work that I strive to do. Over to you, Dr. Sharissa Chan. Thank you so much, Jessica. Uh, My name is Sharissa Chan. Here's a little bit about me. So I'm married uh, to a wonderful husband, and I have a toddler, two-year-old named Akiko, um, who is the light of my life. I have spent the past 20 years working in education, and I've had the great privilege of developing and integrating STEAM curriculum for multiple grade levels throughout my experience. Additionally, I've been able to personally watch students thrive while learning computer science. I've been able to watch and help my students learn and thrive while um, taking on computer science activities. And this has actually helped me with the position that I'm in now where I'm able to advocate for different parts of computer science and STEAM education, which is really the passion for me because I've always been told growing up that I wouldn't ever be able to serve in roles like that or do those types of things. So um, my passion for that really comes from being told you can't do it and me wanting to prove other people wrong and say, yes, I can, Mm -hmm. and I will bring others with me. (laughs) So now that I've shared a little bit about myself, um, I actually have a fun question for the both of you, Jessica and Sonal. Mm -hmm. Um, I was wondering if you needed something or you could have one thing in this world that you absolutely could not live without, but it can't be a person, what would it be and why? Well, for me, it's definitely coffee. It's very early morning right now, and I'm thinking about it right now. Uh, when I first got in, got, got to the United States, honestly, it was all about the tea. You know, I loved that cup of tea, but 
lately, for the last, I want to say, eight, nine years, that coffee has been instrumental to the, the focus that I have. Sharice smiling. The focus that I have when I come into work every single day. I definitely agree. Sanal, Sanal loves her coffee. <laughs> and um, I will let you know, it, it it's... It's so much fun to watch her after she's had her first cup or second, maybe third. <laughs> I'm not usually this energetic until I've had that cup. So I've had one. And Imagine what happens with that second cup. Yes. Her, her, <laughs> your levels of energy are just, is they're through the roof, but it's great because you tailor it to exactly where it needs to go. You know where to use your energy best. And it helps balance our team. So thank you, Coffee, for being here. And thank you, Sano, for drinking the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. What about you, Jessica? Well, mine is not as cool as coffee. Um, <laughs> now I'm actually wanting to change mine to coffee. But I constantly have to wear sunglasses. I The sun is super bright. I basically cannot go outside without my sunglasses. So everything seems really bright to me. So sunglasses for me. So I'd long story short, we should not steal your sunglasses. Please don't steal my sunglasses. <laughs> okay. I'll also have like four or five pairs just around everywhere because I just need to grab one. <laughs> <laughs> that is good to know. What about you, Charissa? Um, So for me, the th- one thing that I would really need Wow, this is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, It would probably be music. I Mm -hmm. absolutely love music. It speaks to my soul. Um, If I'm having a rough day or if I'm having a great day or if I'm having a whatever day, I just need music. And whatever music I choose helps get me along throughout my day. So um, if I could just have access to music, I am good to go. I love that one. Mm -hmm. Can I change mine? (laughs) (laughs) I want to know what one song then. If you can only pick one one song. song. Yeah. Um, right now, well, I have a lot of songs, so that's really difficult. Right now, it'd probably be Like a Girl by Lizzo (laughs) because it's all about all the things that I can do, even though I'm a woman, um, that people would stereotype and say you can't do. Mm -hmm. So it's like I can do this just like a girl because guess what? I do it perfectly as a girl. So that's like, that's my jam right now. (laughs) So powerful. All right. So um, thanks, Charissa, for that one. I love that. I want to go, now go into how we got into the work we do today with digital learning and computer science. This time, Jessica, mm-hmm. why don't you start? Okay. Um, well, getting into digital learning was important for me because growing up, I remember computers and cell phones were starting to be accessible to the average person, but people who actually had them were you know, basically people that I thought were rich. So my family didn't have those kinds of luxuries, and that was out of reach for us. Um, So when it came time to apply to college, doing my FAFSA applications, all those kinds of things, access to technology and computers was something that made it more difficult for me to be able to go to that next level and really put me at a disadvantage. So once I started community college, I actually bought my first computer on eBay (laughs) and I had the dial up internet and I just thought I was so cool. Um, So that helped me get through Mm -hmm. college, but I definitely was at a disadvantage from not having those skills from the beginning. And then when I started teaching, my first public school job was in a low SES rural area. I taught third grade. We had one computer lab in the school 
for 500 kids and then we would use that computer lab for the kids who were waiting for their bus after school and our after school program. So these computers, I mean, they just constantly needed repair. They were breaking down. Um, we had maybe four or five computers in the classroom and usually two of them worked. And when my kids would get on it, they needed so much help. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really know how to navigate the computer or how to type without doing the little like chicken pecking. Mm-hmm. So um, that was difficult. And then seeing them struggle when it came time to do the SBAC test, we had to go into the computer lab to oh, do yeah. those tests. And the sound wasn't working or they didn't have the the typing skills that they needed or the familiarity with with the computer and the device. And so they were already at a disadvantage for taking the state test. Um So when it came time to choose a master's program, I chose an ed tech master's program at Cal State Fullerton, and that completely opened my mind to how important the access is and the ability to um, introduce our kids to 21st century skills. So this was a while ago. I know we're Mm -hmm. we're well into Mm -hmm. the 21st century now, Um, but it really resonated with me. And there were so many aha moments of being able to bring technology skills to students that otherwise don't have access. And so that really goes with that digital divide of having equal access, bringing equality and accessibility to our students, no matter what their socioeconomic level is. And then just continuing the work now with the second level digital divide with how teachers are actually implementing the devices Mm -hmm. and having equity in how our students are getting instruction with technology and having it meaningfully be implemented. So that's a little bit of how I got into digital learning just from my own experiences and feeling at a disadvantage with those skills and then wanting to bring those skills to our students so that way they're not at a disadvantage when they get into the workforce. I love that, Jessica. I think it's interesting how your drive um, started with your own experience and that definitely I think drives a lot of the things that we all do as humans um, when we want to make changes with whomever we're working with. So a little bit about my story would be that I worked in a district um, a while back now who was really kind of advanced or moved along quickly with technology. So they were like, let's put up Promethean boards in every classroom, but the teachers weren't trained yet. Let's bring in Chromebooks to every student, but we didn't know what issues we'd have with it, but we're just handing them out to kids. And um, so I... I had that experience with my students, and I always wanted, once I got those devices in, to make these tools more than just a device to have there, or just, okay, it's computer time, let's go play. It it was more than that. Um, I really wanted to get the most out of it in terms of instructional time, making this a real tool um, for students to use while they work. So what... I was thinking as I was working through it was, how can I really step up my game with technology in the classroom? And that's when I learned to um, seek out other people who've been doing things. And so started going to trainings on my own. Um, and then along the way, I was introduced to NGSS standards and STEAM education, 
which opened up a whole nother window for me to actually incorporate technology into the classroom. Um, for, so students using their devices. And then um, the other thing would be that my students were, well, there's this thing for, so one of the big things for me is computer science. Now it's big for me. Mm-hmm. Before there was something called Hour of Code and it still exists. Everybody would say, oh, sign up for Hour of Code. And I was working with first graders at the time. And I was thinking, oh, I'm like, we can't do that. But then I was always that teacher that was like, don't ever tell anybody that your students can't do that because if you give it to them, they'll rise to the occasion. So I had to break my own barrier down and say, you know what? I'm out here saying this. I better live up to what I'm saying. So I put my kids on uh, Hour of Code and I did it with them. They were like, at the time I was Miss Lyman, Miss Lyman, please do this with us. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. I, it was my fear, not theirs. So when I overcame that barrier, um, I just ran with it. And I was lucky enough to have those same students again in third grade, and they begged for more. And I just did it every year after that. And there was more time where I just integrated it into my instruction. And now I'm actually an advocate for it and teaching other teachers to do the same type of thing. Um, and I know it works and I know they can do it and I speak from personal experience. So I think that really has gotten me into, you know, this kind of role. I never thought I'd be in a role where I'm talking about digital learning or talking about, you know, how to integrate computer science because it just wasn't what the world was when I started in education. (laughs) So um, I definitely would say I've uh, kind of moved along with the times, haven't really fought it too much and I'm finding great results from it so I love how you went full circle so you had all these devices and you had things given to you but not the knowledge to go with it of how to actually implement it Mm. and then you were proactive in seeking out how to you know find other people find resources find a network to get plugged into and now you're providing those resources and that network for others who might be feeling that same way Yes, definitely. And for me, Sonal and Jessica could both tell you networking for me, I can do Mm -hmm. it, but I'm an introvert by nature. So I'm like, I really need help with this. I don't have any other choice. It's that or try to research on my own. But it was so new at the time. I just had Mm -hmm. to find somebody who was already doing it. So. And I always used to see you at all of our trainings. So speaking of lifelong learner, I feel that we all have that in common uh, with, you know, what you were saying, Jessica, about you're still you're still learning mm-hmm. to this day. And fun story about uh, Jessica and I, we ended up doing the same master's in ed tech program a little while back. Um, and then with, with Charissa, we've been to the s- similar conferences. You know, we might have passed each other in the hallway and we didn't even mm-hmm. realize it. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think that all of us are, are lifelong learners. And in this field, in uh, digital learning and computer science, I feel we, we do definitely need to be, we need to continue to stay updated. So with that, um, if I may, I'll just talk a little bit about my journey in digital learning. Um, I think I started out back in the UK when I, uh, when I did my first teaching assignment at a really high technology school. And I realized, I, I mean, at the time it was one, um, one computer lab as well as uh, those the, the smart boards in our classroom. But even with that, I felt we could do so much more to engage our students. We took the, I took this one step further when I came out to the USA. Well, actually, I'm going to be honest with you. I came out to the USA and I had one computer in my classroom and that was it. And all wow. they would use it for was AR testing. I'm sure you can remember mm-hmm. that. And I'm, I'm sure many of you can relate. And I was like, okay, this was the home of Silicon Valley, California. What is going on here? 
Um, and I wanted to, I just wanted to kind of, you know, try to figure out what we could do to try to get the technology. But to do, in order to do that, I wanted more knowledge on what an, what a whole district infrastructure should look like, right? And so that was the initial reason why I went into the Masters in EdTech program. As I did it, I wanted to experiment right away with my then fourth grade students in how to utilize this technology within a blended learning type of setting. So I got into the work of Michael Horn and Kathleen Tucker and started to implement uh, blended learning models and saw the true impact, not just of the use of technology, but how we were utilizing the technology to personalize our student learning needs, right? Like, so we were getting students now not listening to that one-size-fits-all model of teacher instruction, but they were actually listening to screencasts where they could pause and stop and start. They were using scaffolded materials in, in the online world that were really helping them to be able to transform the way they were consuming information not not just consuming though they were given opportunities to demonstrate their learning in multiple different ways and that was the beauty we saw kids engage we saw that the, the data was showing consistently that our students were student outcomes academically and social emotionally were were improved and so i just wanted to keep going with that and i ended up going into the instructional coaching role after that um, and you know bringing this to many more educators who were also seeing the impact of it and that's how I started uh, wanting to really help and help grow this work even more. When I got to the county, um, I really didn't have that much, um, you know, capacity in computer science education. Same as you, Sharisa, we did Hour of Code, you know, we, whenever we could bring it in, we would, but it wouldn't actually be... Uh, an experience that they would uh, participate in all year round, right? So I got here and I decided that I was going to enroll myself in a computer science supplemental uh, program. And the very first module was equity in computer science. And it was from there that I realized we needed to do something about it. I did that module and realized how many, uh, you know, what, what, I realized how many students were underrepresented in computer science, underserved in computer science, and especially our students who identify as females, uh, African-American, Latinx, and Native American and indigenous students. I thought that we needed to do something to change the current statistics and the research that suggests that we do not have the diversity in the computer science field, not to mention um, in computer science classes within uh, the K-12 setting. So those questions kept coming up. What can we do about this? Uh, you know, how can we change the trajectory of computer science education so that more kids have access to equitable computer science education? And that's where we are today. And we developed our next, you know, our new vision. Um, you know, does anyone, sorry, I, I spoke a lot. Does anyone want to say anything before I go into that vision? I just want to say that's definitely, it speaks to my heart, all the work that's been done. And I think for the three of us, you know, making those connections with students and personalizing mm -hmm. their learning or helping now for us, helping others show how to do things like that um, so that kids can or students can really have the best learning experiences that are memorable and they can take with them is so powerful. So thank you for bringing that up. That Those are great points. Thanks, Teresa. We look forward to doing more work around our mission to transform lives through education and our department's vision, which is to aspire to collaboratively build capacity in providing equitable, accessible, and data-informed online blended learning and computer science experiences for all of our learners. 
You'll get to learn more about the work we do throughout these podcasts. Each month, we will have different guests come to speak to you about initiatives that are directly connected to SBCSS County's mission and our department's vision. We'll also provide you with the latest updates and information on all things related to digital learning services and computer science education. Thank you again, everyone. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Join us next time for more bits and bytes of digital learning and computer science. And remember, if you're hungry for more, you can simply text DLS News to 22828 or find us on Twitter at SPCSS underscore EdTech.